Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim only talks for two minutes on current events, Brianna explains the spiritual benefits of a treadmill, and together we continue our discussion on personal worship. Everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast. This is episode twenty-three. Try on Swansea, Michael Jordan. That, oh, okay. Try. I thought you were saying that Dry and Swansea or whatever you said is Michael Jordan in German. Correct. Is this good? Yeah. yeah what's uh, LeBron in German? Uh, LeBron. Le- that's French. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Guys, I'm Jeff. Uh, with me as always is Tim. Across from me is Josie. He's making everything happen. And once again, for our third episode in a row, everyone say hi to Brianna Jarrett Esquire. What's up? Hey, everybody. So I feel like, like, so we've had you on three times, and every time when we kick it to you to say hi, you always seem like, is this the time where I say hello? <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. It's good. We'll get there. We'll get there. You're still... I, I think it's because you're in a Baptist church and you're just confused as to whether or not the women can speak. That's just... I'm not, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, exactly. I'm wearing a head covering today. That's, that's just enormous <laughs> amounts of hair and headphones don't count. So I got to tell you, so on, I guess, last week was when we dropped the first episode when we were talking about like behind the scenes corporate worship and everything. The three hour episode? Was that... No, no, it was four oh, hours. That was a long. Tim. That was our long one. That yes. was a long one. Yes, yeah. that was the long one. But it was also our most listened to episode since before Thanksgiving. Yeah, like through the whole. I don't know if it was just like during Christmas, like nobody wanted to think about Advent and Jesus. I think Brianna oh, sent it to like all twenty-seven of her siblings. No, I keep I everything I do here at this church a deep dark secret. <laughs> I believe that she's like so, I do not want to be affiliated. I'm basically leading a double life. Right? No, I. We're I, your second family. Yeah, you pretty much. <laughs> I assumed it was Fred listening forty times on every device, no. like turning it all on at the same time, no. and just so, listening in stereo around the house. That's how we got a listener in uh, Samsung smart fridge. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that from a show there was a show where they did something like that where it was like the fridge there's a tweet that was like circulated the internet years ago that was like mom took my 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 phone so now i can't get on twitter anymore That's and it right. was like posted from nintendo ds image share or something that's <laughs> hilarious but there was i think that showed up in a tv show so somebody if you remember what episode that was of what show that was uh sent it in but here's the deal since brianna has come on we have gone even more worldwide than we previously were. In the last week, we have picked up listeners in South Africa nice. and Saudi Arabia. Nice. What? Saudi Arabia. I, I just, I don't know if they're used to hearing women speak. So they were like, <laughs> you know, let's have, they'll come on. And I believe that probably offended the listener in Saudi Arabia. And we will probably hear from them before we will hear from anyone in Council Bluffs. Yeah. I still don't think that place exists. Do you read Arabic? No. Okay. Do you? Huh? Do you read I mean, do you read Arabic? I read and write in any language that I proclaim that I can read and write in. Okay. Okay. All right. Get out of here. I can't self-identify as a fluent Arabic. Sure. Okay. You prove it. Perfect. Yep. 
get, give us give us some uh, Arabic right now. <laughs> mm. Probably not the best mm. idea. Hey, no, I'm be- not going to fake that. Yeah, before we uh, before we get all sad, uh, does anybody have any fun thing to lighten the mood for a second before we become un? I have a story. Tell us a story. Uh, we started Eric. back up at our local church, our Thursday night worship, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And my daughter, on her six-month birthday, was her first time she ever came back to church. That's or awesome. came to church, if you will. Did she like it? Uh, she hated it. Did she? It was no. loud. It was loud, yeah. It was very loud. Yeah. I'm pretty Thursday. sure I can blame the loudness on All one right. of you, but either way... Um, no, I, yeah, I, I was. It was the first time that three of us have been in church together, and that was a special moment. Oh, so, that's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did she sleep through the sermon like the rest of us? No, but I couldn't. No, she was awake. My my wife said she was an angel, and apparently, she actually kind of like you know looked up and kind of noticed me up on stage a few times, hmm. and was that's looking cute. at the, the guy up on stage. Yeah, yeah. She was like, "You're my superhero, Josie. You got anything?" Well, fun? she pretty pretty much only knows two voices in six months. And yeah, so she heard mine, and so I, that's recognizable. Yeah, I guess. And then she heard our voices and was like, "She covered this her ears." Amazing. Oh, yes, yeah. correct. <laughs> like yes, a good she Baptist, loved she loved it. Put her yep. fingers in her ears. Mm-hmm. It's like it begins now. Anything fun for you, man? Pretty much my whole week was spent watching GDQ um, Games Done Quick. It's a charity speed run and marathon. It goes for like seven days straight. Marathon, Three's... Florida. No, no, like a marathon, a oh. gaming marathon. Oh, gotcha. but the the whole point of the marathon <laughs> is people so like dry. submit runs mm-hmm. to finish a game as quickly as possible what was the fastest one um i mean it's a bunch so they're they're all super fast what is the world record for the original super mario brothers it's like seven minutes what um the 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 most impressive run i saw so far uh was blindfolded like the guy was going by sound alone no super mario 64 in under an hour how many times did he die there's no way you can do that blindfolded. He killed himself more than he died because he 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 would lose his positioning and he just reset by killing himself. All right, can I can I can I lovingly not all not all heroes wear capes. Right? Can I lovingly just say to this gentleman who is not <laughs> listening to this podcast, was it was a man woman? There's a guy. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, definitely uh, basement dweller. Brother. <laughs> I, you know, there are more things, more more important things that you can commit your life to than memorizing Nintendo sixty four, Super Mario Brothers, and like Nint- getting like the, yeah, like Super I Mario know. three. I don't know. I'd argue if you can make that your career, has he why made not? it his career? Yeah, that's he true. makes money off of that. I mean, a lot of these speedrunners do make money off of that. That's like they're Twitch streamers and they do this. How for much like does a, a Twitcher? Tw- I think Twitcher? you're about to be surprised. Yeah, how much do they make? Uh, it depends on who you're talking to. Some of the more we're famous talking ones, to you bring in more like millions of dollars a year. Yeah. Like I know some people that can like, they make a pretty decent living off of it. Oh, a million dollars. That's a pretty decent, decent living. living. Well, no, that's right, like, rich, that's rich. on the higher, the higher end. I gotcha. Yeah. But they can pay the bills because people just watch them play video games all day long. Yeah. On Twitch. It's, it's impressive, impressive subculture. Hmm. That's an interesting adjective. Uh, no, I mean, that is now here's my question for, have you ever seen somebody do a super Mario three? Uh yeah. Now, do they use the whistles to teleport to the end, or do and follow up question? If they don't do that, you know where you get to pick like certain world, you know, levels you go to in each world. Do they hit every level, or just the ones that's the fastest way to the castle? It, it depends on the category of speed run. So, like, there are glitched runs where they just like break the rules of the game. Um, I'm assuming like a a regular run would probably use the whistle, like just. Okay. Skip as many levels as possible. Yeah, get to get level to the eight. End. Yeah. yeah, that's easy. 
You can get there fast. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that's like that's not too bad. All right, that's good. Bree, what have you done? Anything exciting? Oh uh, no, I'm really glad I made it through the first full week of work mm. since yeah. the holidays. That was miserable. We we are like just organizing and putting holiday stuff away, and yeah, we that's, made it. So you're fun. still at the same firm, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We took our cat for a walk. Oh gosh. That was what we attempted to do. We are trying to turn our cat into a dog that we got uh, my daughter for her birthday or for Christmas for Jesus' birthday. And uh, we have our two little pugs. And so we have a stroller for our diabetic pug uh, who often just wants to go outside but not actually have to exert any energy. And then we're also walking a cat. So we're the dumbest looking family yep. walking down the street. Mm-hmm. The cat didn't make it super far. The cat was like, this is torture. I hate all of you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel the same towards you, cat. Mm-hmm. That's I, a shame. Are you proud of your life now? I wasn't proud of it when we had a pug and a stroller. <laughs> okay. Right. I mean, I will I will say this. Oh, man, I can't believe I haven't told this story yet. This is... um. This was pretty funny. I figured out a way at one point. So Beatrice is our girl pug with diabetes. And Baxter is just our other big pug. And we'll tell you about him some other time. But I realized one time when we were taking a walk, Beatrice got out and was walking around. She needed to use a restroom. And so what I did is I tied Baxter's leash to the stroller so that he could pull the stroller so I didn't have to do anything, which was fine. Until Baxter took off, which was still fine because he's, he's a short, fat little pug. He can't make it very far. But he's pulling the stroller. And it's on wheels. It wasn't abusive. There was, no, there was no weight in it, really. But the funniest part was he turned real fast. And the stroller overturned right as a car was driving by. And they thought there was a baby in there. <laughs> And they stopped <laughs> the car like and looked at me like I was abusive. And the whole time I'm laughing, it's really funny because like Baxter's like pulling the stroller sideways down the, and the people are driving by like, <gasps> it's terrible. Oh. I thought it was funny, but I guess, I guess not. So, but we tried walking the cat and uh, there's a, there's a picture of that on Facebook now. So we are. Good for you. Yeah. We were doing that. Guys, um, I want to jump into a segment we haven't done in a while because uh, we've been pretty much perfect lately. This segment is called, I'm sorry for what I said last week. And right during like the opening fluff time, we were kind of commenting on the things that are happening in our country. And last week I had mentioned it was going to be a very busy, insane week that we had the runoff elections. We had the rallies, we had the phone call we had. And then I made the comment that on January 6th, the Congress was going to uh, just, you know, confirm and say that, hey, Joe Biden is actually going to be our president. And then I jokingly said, and on Thursday, civil war will break out. And I'm sorry for saying that because uh, not to make light, I didn't think the things of Wednesday were going to happen on Wednesday. It was a, a joke. I thought people were more reasonable than that. And uh, apparently there are new depths to which people will go. Uh, so what we're going to do... Depths or deaths? Hmm. Both. I think, I think both. Both. Yeah. Uh, we need to talk a little bit about what happened on January 6th. The attack on... we. So Brianna's here because we are going to talk about worship today, probably, unless this takes forever, which I don't think it will. But we need to, we need to kind of process and deal with some of these things. Um, what's concerning to me is that this episode will drop on, I can't even think of the day it'll drop on, but it'll drop about a week and a half after the events of the Capitol. It'll drop on the 
19th, I believe. I believe it'll be the 19th. Correct. So the day before the inauguration. The inauguration. So and two days after, apparently, the new planned uh, armed rallies that are going to take place on January yeah, so 17th. Even even the thought of that and you re-mentioning that, which mm. I, I knew it because I mentioned it in my message yep. yesterday. It I, it just literally just, it just, mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's like I just want to vomit all over the place. I know. So when this episode drops, who knows what the state of things will be like by the time this episode drops. Um, but we've got the four of us in a room and thought, I know it, in conversation, we, we talked about doing an episode today, just recording, just to talk about this and do what we did with the election reaction episode, which was just turn it right around and drop it the next day kind of be a little more current. I mean, for now, we are literally like one week away from current events, uh, and it seems like by the time the episode drops, a lot more current events might happen. So we did not want to dedicate a whole episode to this. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about politics and things that are going on, but I just wanted to open the floor because we haven't really had a chance to process a lot of this together. And so let's vomit all over each other. Like, what, what, where's your head at? What are you sensing? What are you seeing? Help everybody try to figure some things out. What wisdom do you got? You know, um, I've gone through a range of emotions. I told the church yesterday I was, uh, you know, and by God's providence, we had Thursday night worship come back the day after all this nonsense. Mm. And so I was, I was hot. Yeah. Um, I was angry. Um, and you know, and in 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 my anger, my filter doesn't filter as much as it needs to. My emotions then change to, and is still in a lament. Uh, I, I'm just, um, I kind of have a cloud, you know, kind of just. Um, I feel, my head feels like it's in a cloud. I'm, I no doubt am finding all of my hope and peace in the Lord for sure, but I still have to wake up and live in this country. Mm-hmm. And so every morning now when I wake up, you know, I, my feet hit the floor and I'm trying to focus on Christ and Christ alone, but it's just the noise is really loud. And um, so I, I'm still, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I'm, you know, I'm still just, it's it's dark. It's dark uh-huh. ar- around my head. So if you want me to actually say what I, what I think, I'll just read to you what I wrote to our church family on Friday. It's gonna be a I, lot longer. You said you said you're in a lamenting. You don't think you're gonna talk a lot. It's gonna be a lot longer. Than I'm two not gonna minutes. talk. I'm gonna read because I spent a lot of time on this email. <laughs> this so was, this was a really good difference? email. <laughs> See, here's what I said to my church family: the sights and sounds of Wednesday grieved me as I pray it did you as well. My job is not and never has been to tell you how to vote, and I haven't done that. Uh, I've consistently said vote for who you want, but here are the perils, the evils, and deficiencies on both sides, and I will continue to make sure my platform of ministry is the Holy Scriptures. And I will not bow to any partisan politics. Some, uh, some of those mentioned evils were plainly exposed on Wednesday. And seeking biblical holiness, we must renounce them. I realize that some in my church family believe in the claims of widespread voter fraud in this election. Some agree with you and others do not. Just because others disagree doesn't mean we can't all be friends and family. The church must affect our politics. We must not allow politics to affect the church. The church ecclesiastical unity is indefinitely more important than political uniformity. And now is an immense opportunity to prove it. So never, ever, 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 ever let the voices and the calls of a temporary kingdom divide us in the eternal one. So, 
take hope that in knowing that most of your friends and neighbors who voted for Biden were appalled at the violence of this past summer and take hope in knowing that most of your friends and neighbors who voted for Trump were appalled at the violence that happened this past week. There is common ground. So don't let the evil voices of a few blow it all away. Love your neighbor. It really, truly is just that simple. But what grieved me most on Wednesday was seeing the violence and insurrection next to, and I will play, next to the banners of Jesus. I love banners of Jesus. I think they're terrific. But only when we convey the correct gospel next to those banners. Jesus is not red. He is not blue. He is not a Montague or a Capulet or a Hatfield nor a McCoy. He is not divided by or defined by our presumptuous lines. Jesus is the very definition of good, the very definition of power, regardless of whether your preferred politician sits in the Oval Office. The throne of Jesus is unaffected. So protest as you would like. It's a hallmark of our democracy. But my tear-filled request is this. Take Jesus' name off of it. We do not storm the castle in the name of Jesus. We do not attempt insurrection in the name of Jesus. We must not confuse the most objective... Excuse me, we must not confuse the most objective truth in history with the subjective truth of man and tragically in this country. So dreadfully, in our nation's history, Native Americans have been slaughtered by men toting Bibles. Africans have been enslaved and dehumanized by men toting Bibles. The poor and the destitute have been oppressed by men toting Bibles. The murder of scores of unborn children have been ignored by men toting Bibles. We have made a terrible habit of confusing our world to our mission. Instead of carrying Jesus' name on the front lines, I humbly request you carry his name in the back as you serve in the rear. You know that Jesus lived during a very tense political time. The world was walking on eggshells then. Violence could break out at any moment, and the people expected the Messiah to join them in the fight and overthrow the wicked empire that they so loathed, but he did not. When Jesus came, he he didn't come to conquer his enemies, nor did he attempt to. He laid down his life for them. He served them all. And if we follow Jesus, we must do the same. He didn't satisfy the crowd's yearning for violence. He publicly renounced those desires. And if we follow him, we must do the same. When Peter drew the sword to cut off the ear of one of Jesus's captors, Jesus chastised him. If we follow him, we must do the same. The people of that day had their hopes set on something that was too small. Jesus's plans are not for a temporary kingdom. Today, no, nobody, ever, nobody fears the Roman Empire today. Jesus' plans then and now are for the redemption of all mankind, and if we follow him, our plans must be the same. Jesus does not overthrow governments, at least not yet. The end. I'm, quite honestly, that's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, Josie, we weren't recording that. Can you do the whole thing again? I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Sorry. I, that I, was, what, seven minutes? I don't know how long that was, but who knows. I will be honest. I got, I got choked up when I got that email. It was a necessary word, and I think you're—I think you're too hard on yourself on uh, for Thursday night. Um, You—I don't think you said anything that was out of line. I think you said stuff that might be offensive to people. I said stuff um, in the wrong tone. In the wrong tone. Can pastors are pastors allowed to say things in the wrong tone? I hope so, because I did. Um, but I also hope that people can learn to identify their own faults if they see me identifying my faults. Okay. Yeah. Let me lament one more thing. It didn't. It didn't yeah, it didn't bother me. So I, I was. I thought it was great. Pastors are supposed to be apolitical, right? At least that's what people say. I wish. And that's and what people say in 2021 is when I come to church, I expect you. I expect to hear uh, from the pulpit a condemnation of my sins. 
just not my political ones. Talk about all the rest of my sins. Point out from the scripture everything else the rest of them I'm doing wrong and the grace that yeah. covers in Jesus. But set my political sins over here. Don't mention them because the pulpit's supposed to be apolitical. And I think if we're if we're if we're in error, we're in error. What's the matter if we if we're you know if we're following one idol versus the idol that's in the White House? You know, it's all an idol. Well, well, I think that a lot of churches are not apolitical, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people join churches because they expect them to be bent one way or the other, politically mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think the area that you're in is bent very specifically toward one political. It's the people in the pews, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I completely agree with you. I think that, um, and, and Fred and I were talking about this on, uh, on Wednesday when all this went down, and I mean, both of our families... Um, his his dad and my parents and my siblings and all, they um, really, really support, um, well, I won't say they really support violence. I don't think that's true. But I but we've had a lot of people provide us with their unasked for opinions about <laughs> what went down. Um, yeah, so people I, I saying mean, it's 1776 all over again. Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, and what both of us said was, I, I just don't know how you can call yourself a follower of Christ mm-hmm. and support what happened. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of who you vote for and mm-hmm. what your political views are, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, show me where that is okay. Yep. I mean, scripturally, yep. honestly. Like, and, and we have to be getting to a place yep. where we can disagree with each other and still worship the same God together, and still be church family. Like, and I think this is so divisive and so polarizing. It's sad to see people choose sides. I mean, honestly, I there were family who would not come to my house on over the over Christmas because of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and my only request was, I don't want to talk about yeah. it. If you mm-hmm. can't come to my house and let's not talk about the weather, let's right. talk about something else, but it's so, so important to them. Mm-hmm. They can't like come and, and agree to not talk about it. Well, I think, and, and I've, I've called, you know, this, the gathering of the church often, and maybe this is, maybe this is why I've called the gathering of the church often like Thanksgiving meal. Like we've been apart, we're coming together and we're going to celebrate and we could just, you know, how was your time? How was this, that, and the other? And some people want the church to be this sanctuary of a Thanksgiving meal. Let's not talk about anything that's going to make it hard. Let's just have a nice uplifting time and enjoy the, you know, enjoy each other's company. And I would say that that's part of what the gathered church is supposed to be. But as soon as you open up the scripture, the the sword strikes, right? I mean, that's, that's the whole, that's the whole point of um, this, you know, the sword that, that, I don't know. It's a, it's I'm at a, a loss. It's upsetting because I think we should be able to disagree and still absolutely have community, absolutely like meaningful community. Absolutely, you know, we should be able to do that. We should be able to respect each other enough that we can disagree and still have community and fellowship and church family. Right. So it's a that's that's upsetting yeah. to me. And secondly, I I don't see an example in scripture mm-hmm. if we're Jesus followers. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't see where that is. Sure. Okay. Uh, confidentiality. So I don't want to. I, I asked some very trusted people in my life this question that I've struggled with. You know, uh, just I, I, after Wednesday, I went to the scripture. I'm like, all right, Lord, where am I going? And my question was, is there an intersection between Jesus, the new covenant, and political insurrection? 
Is there any, it is there anywhere in the new covenant? I mean, we can, we can look at Israel and how God took his people and that theocracy and, you know, and went in and, and had war, right? But in the new covenant that Jesus came to bring, is there any, insurre- is there any intersection with political insurrection? And I've not been able no, to find it. No, come mm-hmm. on. I mean, like, let's yeah, come think on, about, l- l- no, I'm just saying, like, let's think about the world that Jesus was born into. Mm-hmm. I mean, a more, surely we would all agree the mm-hmm. Roman Empire is a little more oppressive mm-hmm. than what we're dealing with mm-hmm. today. And what did Jesus say? If someone comes up to you and says, um, carry my whatever for me, for um, do it. He he said the opposite of what we would be saying today. Yep. Mm-hmm. Treat others with kindness, even if someone doesn't deserve it, right? Yep. Like if we're, if this is going to sound trite, but it's true, right? I mean, we're all Christians mm-hmm. that, that are sitting here. And if we're calling ourselves followers of Christ, it doesn't matter what we believe politically. Mm-hmm. We are followers of the Lord who's mm-hmm. telling us if somebody hits you in the face, turn your cheek and let them right. hit the other side too. I mean, where... What if he was serious? Right, exactly. What if he was serious? So it's... I That's was a ex- book by uh, Sky Jitani, oh. patron what if, saint what of the, the good Christian What if the teaching podcast. of Jesus wasn't just big, one big... What if he really joke? meant it? If, someone, right. if a Roman soldier comes up to you and says, carry my stuff for a mile, do right. it for extra right. long, mm-hmm. you know, like... So I was telling Lena, um, I forget even how it came up, but she asked me, "What does it mean to be gracious?" I think I asked. I think I, I think mm. I used the word in a sentence, and I said, "This is what it means to be gracious: giving someone something that they do not deserve." Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so even if even if anyone who's listening to this is like they were totally right, and I really truly believe the election was, you know. Right. You know, rigged or whatever. Stop the steal. Yeah. yeah. What? Okay. Let's say you're right. Sure. How does that excuse sure. how you're going about it? Agreed. Okay. I mean, so I just, that's all I want to say about it. I mean, that's not all I want to say about it. If I they're going like... to steal your vote, give them two. Exactly. If you're a <laughs> Christ, a stretch, if you're a Christ still, follower, right? if you're a Christ right. follower, um, and that's really who you are following right. in your in your life, right. then how can you justify that kind of reaction? I think some of the justification comes from, from what I hear from people, is there people confuse the United States of America with Israel, mm-hmm. um, and they think this is God's holy nation, and we need to protect God's holy nation, and we have been, you know, a God-fearing nation, and so we need to stay a God-fearing nation, and my answer is we've never been a God-fearing nation. No, we served Judeo-Christian principles and all that kind of stuff, but it was built into the Constitution and into our founding documents to not be a religious organization. Exactly. That's not who we are. Exactly. And so in very many ways, and I've been tooting this horn for 10 years, that we are not Israel. We are, we're in Babylon. Yeah. Right, with the churches, the exiled remnant people in Babylon. And so Babylon's going to be Babylon. I mean, why do we expect? Why do we expect a secular organization to all of a sudden? It's just, it's, uh, and I think that's where, that's that's some of the, 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 the argument back, not the argument back, the debate, the persuasion back is we need to protect. And my question is protect what? Mm-hmm. We need to protect the church. And how? Right. I mean, protect look at the, the example church. of Christ. Right. Look at the example of Christ. I mean, right. So I I wish we could, you know, as I said, still have meaningful community and fellowship and disagree. Yeah. We should be able to do that. I think as a mature um, church community, yeah. we should be able to do that. So it's sad that I don't think that's going to happen. So the question I would ask is, I don't know. Um, I, I have a couple of thoughts, but one that came up while you two were going back and forth was 
what happens when us agreeing to disagree and not kind of putting our foot down here in this moment, what happens when that turns into the Capitol Hill riots? Like when we, Hmm. when we let people be gullible and, and believe lies, at what point is it, are, are we doing what, at what point are we causing more harm than good? Yeah. When we when we don't, I don't know, when we let people get away with this. Well, I don't mean to I don't mean to suggest let people get away with it, but I think at least so. I mean, there are there are people in our church who don't feel the same way politically that I do. For sure, but because we have an awesome relationship with them and I respect them and they respect us. I mm-hmm. mean, it's been a nice little way to <laughs> wedge open the door to have conversations about that so they can see where I'm coming from and I can see where they're coming from. That's like normal interaction, right? Like, and I feel like a lot of people who have very strong feelings about what happened on Wednesday are not ready to have a conversation like that. And that's where I think it's at. So I guess in answer to your question, if there's a relationship based on mutual respect for each other's opinions, you should be able to say, look, I don't think storming the Capitol is a great idea. I think yeah. it's a bad plan for you, <laughs> you know, and have somebody actually hear that. Um, so. I've found that meeting, I've found that meeting the conversation head on, people shut off their ears immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. Like You use trigger, it doesn't matter whether you're red or blue, there are triggers. <laughs> right. Uh, and people get triggered. Um and if you use particular words, particular phrases, people stop reading, they stop listening, and it's over. And so what what has been in and I this is not gospel to me yet. This is I'm still trying to work this out because everything is so kind of fresh and new. And again, I'm just in this cloud looking and praying for clarity. Instead of meeting things head on and saying, I believe you are one hundred percent wrong, instead tangent to the side and saying, I believe you need to stop identifying in a temporary kingdom (laughs) so in other words like we talked about in the outrage series we are ambassadors of a different kingdom start acting like it like change your citizenship for me because that's what the scripture calls us to do anyway yes you're an american but put that like put that so far secondary that let's have all these wonderful primary conversations about an eternal kingdom and how we are supposed to affect the temporary kingdom in a way that is because of our eternal citizenship. Because all 90% of our conversation right now is all just a temporary, 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 USA, USA, USA. And like I mentioned months ago, I, I think we need to start, all of us as Christians, start considering ourselves resident aliens. The problem with that... That's my famous line. It is. Is the the pushback that you will get on that is to say that, yes, while we are citizens of a different kingdom, what happens here still matters. Mm-hmm. And and so it you can't just sort of say, I'm going to be above it all, and I'm not going to take a position mm-hmm. on these things. I'm not saying be above it all. I'm saying be below it all. Yeah, but they would Subject still say that, yourself to all of it. that that is... That is sort of ignoring and not speaking into what's happening. So here, here's what I hear happening. The two of you, and it's interesting that we're all kind of across the way that, like, this goes back to our legalism conversation, where I asked you the question about if someone is firmly rooted in their legalism, your position was sort of, let them be rooted in their legalism so long as it doesn't impact me. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to shackle yourself and lock yourself in a cage have at it, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. And my position, and what I hear Josie saying, 
is, okay, but what happens when me saying you can embrace your legalism or whatever issue it is, it is no longer harmless to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I totally get what you're saying, Brian. I, I get what you're saying. Like, you guys are kind of on the same thing, which is if you believe the election was rigged and was stolen, um, that's fine. You can do that. Just don't go kill people over it. And I believe our position is the election wasn't rigged. Stop being gullible. <laughs> well, I yeah, I believe that also. But even more so, I think what is troubling in the in the Christian community, because I'm seeing it, I see it in my own family, like I see it in our church, um, this has brought so much division where mm-hmm. people cannot even be in the same room with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't have, I mean, we have to be able to still love and respect each other and say to yourself, okay, I don't agree, but I know Brianna. I know she loves Jesus, so I'm yeah. going to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Like, even if we think differently, we can still be brother, sister in Christ, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think what is so troubling is that people seem to be unable to do that. Like I've had conversations with people who literally cannot go down that path, mm-hmm. and that's that's troublesome. I'm, and also, if you want to convince someone to your way of thinking, um, just saying things that are polarizing and you know, like Tim said, triggering is not going to be persuasive at all. It's just going to push people farther away. So for me, my observation... Real quick, did I misinterpret you earlier? It's more or less on point. Okay. Um, for me, what, I, what I've seen so far, especially in light of this Capitol Hill stuff, is there is no way to be reasonable or rational yeah. at, at this stage. Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah. Like, I, just to, to deconstruct... Like this, the, the mindset of these the people that did the the rioting and the the attacks on the Capitol. They these were people that were very law and order, like heavily into this certain mindset, and then they have shown in this moment that they are able to throw away that those values when it's convenient to them. So like we can't even have a values based discussion. Right, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, point. and that's like, the, that's the sadness. That is so terribly sad yeah how can i how can i have a discussion or an argument or 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 some kind of come to look for some way to reconcile with people that are changing the rules of the conversation yeah mid-conversation it's i i don't know we talk about hypocrisy gullibility like these are things that we have allowed to happen um step by step a little bit at a little bit and it's kind of brought us to this point and my my question is in being complicit or complacent in the the little things, it has now added up to this big thing. And I think that is a failing on our parts of not being a lot more like line in the sand, do not cross this line. This is where we this is where we we, we lose what it really means to be Jesus and this is where we lose our our identity in, in the culture. Right now, being a Christian in America mm. is very, very worthless. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Um, like, seeing those flags wave at the Capitol, so like, you know, like, Jesus Jesus is my God, Trump is my king, or whatever, that kind of uh-huh. stuff, like, that has damaged the Christian reputation yeah. in a way that we will never recover from. Yeah, I agree. And I think we could have saved ourselves a lot of hassle if we had been a lot more upfront about you can't do this 
back when they were waving those flags in 2016 and, and beforehand. Well, the, okay, so here, here's the problem with that. You can't force people to do that. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, as a pastor, I take, I feel responsibility. I feel a weight of going, if this is what, how Christians are representing Jesus out in the world, like I feel that as a failure. At the same time, I mean, as we talked about in our outrage series, there's a lot of people who profess to be Christians who know nothing of Jesus, of the real Jesus. I mean, there's this this sense of I have a cultural Jesus, and the cultural Jesus is the one who goes and he punches people in the face. And I, I don't remember who it was because their name is not worth remembering um, because the statement was so stupid. But it was something along the lines of, of talking about—I nah, probably shouldn't even brought it up now, but it's something along the lines of the outdated, weak idea, passive Christianity of turn the other cheek. And I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? And this is someone who who I don't I don't think this person oh man I really wish I I should have looked I it up. I remember who said it. Who said it? I'm not gonna. Name was it Franklin name. Graham? It wasn't Franklin Graham. Oh no, I thought you meant the the oh the outdated turn the other cheek. No, I'm thinking of someone who used to be a part of our fellowship who said that. Oh no 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 no. This is somebody like on on a on a large level. No. Who who you know big scale who who did that and so and I don't know like this has been a very. I can just process this out loud. Like this has been a really unfun season to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, in our, our episode on new year's, when we talked about our goals, one of the things I said I wanted to do was to figure out a way to like, I had been taking in a lot of voices, uh, Christian conservative that, that I really resonated with that I'd found that really were kind of a, you know, spoke to my soul and gave me just a, a sense of peace about where things were. And I wanted to not just be somebody who takes that in, but then also puts that back out there. I have not been able to post anything on Facebook in relation to this um, because I don't know as a pastor how to deal with the emotions that I have right now. And I don't know how, because the thing that troubles me more than anything is a what seems to me to be a complete abandonment of truth. And the fact that there are people who, as a pastor... As pastors, you know, it used to sort of be this idea of it was easy to know who the target was. It was the people who didn't profess to believe like us, you know, to say, hey, we want to reach you because, you know, we, we, we need to preach against sin or we need to preach against this. Or we need to preach this or and we had this army of people who were on the team that were saying, yes, we agree with this. And now this season has been like, we can't even get the sheep in line behind us because they're out and just putting forth all of this stuff that is so far removed from the truth. And, and to me, to reject truth, to look at facts in your face and go, nope, that's not true. I'm like, I don't, where do we even begin? You know, I, I, and I think that's, that's the struggle is that as elders, as Tim, you've done a really good job of kind of leading the way and saying, we need to point to a better kingdom. We need to point to a better kingdom but so often I see people pushing back on that or not willing to wholeheartedly jump into that because they understand it would require them to let go of the things that they believe that Jesus' truth confronts. And, and as a result, there's this sense of, well, I have to keep my foot in this world because if I jump over to where Jesus is, there's a whole lot of light that's going to be poured into the dark places and a lot's going to get exposed, and I don't want to do that. And so I just, 
I, I am frustrated. I am angry. I am sad. I don't know how to lovingly communicate to people. Like, I, I totally get what you're saying that like, even if we can't agree, we should still have community and, and we should still be able to worship together. And I agree with that. But I also believe as pastors, as elders, as leaders in the church, there is a requirement and a holy responsibility from God to present truth. And if people are just saying, no, no, thank you, not for me, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to deal with and that. that. And so that's my thing. Where do I start? So if, if you start with the truth of the temporary kingdom, and if you say, here are the facts, then once you get to Jesus, they're not going to hear it. Like they've already shut off. And so then I've used, I've tried to address something over here and now I've, I've sullied the gospel in my own ministry. Hmm. Um, or do you just, do you just, do you, do you go in with Jesus first and hope that that might change the rest of the ridiculousness, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like back to legalism. Do you preach, you know, do you preach change your life and then come to Jesus or you come to Jesus and change your life? The problem is most of these people have already come to Jesus. Right. That's the problem. I mean, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's that whole thing of saying, I don't want to abandon this truth that I have allowed to be constructed for me. And and the things that, that are not rooted in evidence, that are not common sense, that are not just, and instead to go, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with that because I know we've, we've really put all of our chips in saying, let's, let's go and, and seek the kingdom and be kingdom minded. And yet there's such a divorce between being kingdom minded and what we're seeing. I guess what Tim said in the email, what he read at the top of this, um, that I would, I mean, I wrote down so many, I have like five or six and I don't even know, I don't even think we need to talk about them, but like things that I just wrote down here is what it's troubled me over the past few days. And I don't know it's worth going in because it is more dealing with the things of earth. Um, but I guess my my request, I would ask, if you feel the need to protest this, you need do you feel the need to go out and, and, and make your voice be heard, please take the Jesus fish off your car. Please stop waving the Jesus banners. Jesus has nothing to do with this. He doesn't care who's in the Oval Office. Well, I'd say that he does care who's in the Oval Office because I think Jesus cares about all of our affairs, but none of it affects him. No, I mean his his kingdom will still go forth. Right, and here's and here's so I looked up one of the things that I said uh, via text to when I when when I was dealing with some people, uh, some friends about you know what is is there an intersection between New Covenant Jesus and all that kind of stuff? I there was there as we were looking at Scripture and trying to figure things out. And one of my statements was, which I wholly stand behind since, is I said, by Scripture, we are more clearly called by God to be subject to our government than responsible for our government. And I feel like there's a bunch of people in the church right now who, some for some reasons, feel responsible for our government. Mm-hmm. Babylon's going to be Babylon. Our job scripturally is to be subject well, I, to. I, just, I don't know where that. I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I. I know that I think Josie, you pointed it out. This has been, this has been in the making for a long time, and I yeah. and I, you know, I know that mixing religion with um, a certain political bent is very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very effective way to communicate to people. It yeah. stirs up people's emotions, so it's easy to get on board with. Yep. Um, I think that is to do with a lot of it, and I don't, I, I don't mean to communicate in any way that there is um, any kind of logical. <laughs> um, 
argument <laughs> supporting what happened. I, I do not feel that way at all. Um, I mean, if I put on my lawyer hat and I had a discussion about the Are First you a Amendment, then, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I was just saying before we started this, I can't have those conversations. There is no justification for it. But all that aside, and I guess what you're saying is there is no way to put that to the side. There's literally no way to put that to the side. We right. have to involve that conversation. But I just, I'm sad. I think what is the most saddening, as I said, is that we can't, I mean, I, I, I'm finding it more and more difficult to have meaningful relationships with people who yep. disagree. Who are, mind you, in the kingdom. They're right. in the church. Right. And right. politics are dividing the right. unity of the church. No, that is, that's... Lord help us. Yeah. Exactly. I, I find it difficult to have moral conversations with non-believers because I judge myself by a, a different set of standards than they necessarily judge themselves by. Um, and that's why when you have topics, moral discussions within the church, it's a, it's really easy because there is a book you can both go to and say, we both agree with this. We can use this as a reference. And for, for whatever reason, we have... Th- there are groups of us that have just thrown that out. Mm-hmm. Like we are no longer coming from the same point when we talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it probably needs to be addressed and I don't, I don't want to, to throw the entire Republican party under this bus. So please understand when I say this, if you're a Republican, I don't particularly think that, you are doing it. You just have to be aware that this is something that this is like a perception that exists. Christianity in America started to fail and is, is currently in the process of failing because of how closely tied to white supremacy it is, how closely tied to racism it is, how closely tied to like a specific, a specific worldly viewpoint. And for our, our Republican, our, our right leaning like members in, in our congregation, I don't think that you guys are white supremacists, but you have to understand that you are latched, you are latched to a, a group of people that is in many ways, and especially at the top, racist and white supremacist. Like the same way that you look at the Democrat party and your Democrat Christian brothers and think those guys are just out to kill babies and like destroy religion. Like they're probably, the ones you're talking to probably aren't, but at the top, Sure. So, I don't know. We just... Well, or at least that's the perception. Yeah. And those are the lights, and that's what we get. And so, Tim, I, I said I was going to ask you a question. So, <sighs> yeah, I know. I, so, here, here's my here's the, the struggle that I have mm-hmm. as a Christian, mm-hmm. as a pastor. That there's part of me that goes, if I speak into, if I say, church, start looking at truth. Start looking at what is I, true. But you've done that done that no no like not recently no i'm talking about me i'm not talking about i'm talking about me so like you know because i I feel like a firebrand that if i post something on facebook then they're just people who are just i think there are people who are annoyed that i haven't posted anything on facebook because i know i feel a way and they're waiting for me to be (laughs) like so they can be like now and then whatever but my my question is this and, and this is what i've been struggling with there's part of me that goes what's the point what's the point in engaging and and throwing out well thought out articles that I find or, or, or things that, that, that I've, I've thought through and I go, I want to put this out there knowing that there are going to be church people who are just going to be ticked off and, you know, preserve unity. And I'm not going to change your mind on Facebook. But then the other side of that is that 
I don't just have conservative Christian friends from my church on Facebook. I've got friends. I've got people who are outside of the church. I've got I've, I deal a lot with uh, younger adults who are very disillusioned with where the church, the big C, is. And at some point, are there not Christian leaders who need to step up and go, I'm going to give an example and say, I'm not, I don't want to speak into this. I, that's kind of where my head is right now. I don't want to say anything because I almost posted something like three times today. There was just a great article by David French. And I, but then I was like, oh, maybe people are so mad. Um, but then I also go, there are people on the other side who are watching that are going to go, are there Christian leaders who are willing to, who are willing yeah. to say this is wrong yeah, and, true. and hold on to the truth? Because by association, what ends up happening is that if the crazy people who are out there at the Capitol and doing these things and associating Jesus's name with it, and then I as a pastor am, am sitting back and not, not saying, saying anything... Yeah then what ends up happening is then by association, I get lumped in with a group of people that I think are wholly sinful yeah. in the way they're acting, the way they're rejecting truth, the way they are getting in there and slapping Jesus' name on something that he would have nothing to do with. And I don't know how to express that. And so, Tim, I'm looking to you because you are the pastor. You get paid more than I do. How do you do that? Because there are people who are watching on the other side going, are you a reasonable human being, or are you are some are you someone who defends what is happening? I don't know. I don't either. That's part of the cloud that's over my head right now. I don't know. Yep. I'll talk about it, guys. Please, please. <laughs> I don't know. I think you. I, I think at this point you have to say, I, and and not for the purpose of, you know. I know. I I think you have to take a stand. So I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I think people who are silent are going to, like you just suggested, fall into the category of people who are defending what happened, Yeah. unfortunately. So I think yeah. you I think you say what's true. I think you say what you know to be true. Serenity now. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you're not doing it to convince people to your way of thinking. You're doing it to communicate, this is how I feel about this. This is what I know to be right. Yeah, I have, I've, what I've done recently is I've leaned on being extremely frank with the truth in one-on-one conversations. Yeah. That's not hard. not in large group settings, not in social media because nothing because in social media nothing wins, nobody wins. In yeah. large group settings, no one is able it, we, we we can't have a persuasion of ideas. We can't have a real conversation. And so what I've resorted to is only when I'm one-on-one with somebody. Well, that I, the difficulty on that is that for the most part you know, outside of COVID, so many of these connections sure. that you have outside of the church, you don't hang out with on a regular basis. You don't engage with. Sure. And so that that's where my head's at right now. It's because I see so much that is wrong, so much of Jesus that has gotten applied into a situation in which I do not believe Jesus is anywhere near there. Um, We're going to talk about worship? Yep. And so, Tim, you yesterday in your message uh, hit us with a, a statement um, that I thought was timely it's the old statement, keep calm and carry on. Uh, so we're going to try to do that. We are going to try to carry on. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has gone on a lot longer than we anticipated it going on, that conversation. I thought it might, especially when Tim said, I'm only going to speak for two minutes uh, <laughs> and then uh, just took over the whole conversation. And I'm really glad you did because uh, I think you said some good stuff. And uh, Brianna, thank you for everything that you said. 
um, Fred clearly has taught you very well. Oh so my. that's uh, you know I need to I need to <laughs> I want to say this is we will have a conversation on women in ministry and whatever and and for our listeners who might get annoyed with me saying we're going to invite somebody else I think when that no, I'm just not yeah. why would you do that no we'll, we'll have no, you, another no. guy another guy yeah. to oh. come in for yeah. sure and we'll like someone talk who about studied women. the Bible and you okay. know so. No, those are all jokes. Uh, I just it By the really way, gets should, under her skin. Should we tell people next month we're going to do a series on mm-hmm. race during yeah. Black History Month, and it, we, we're going to bring in people of color to yes. talk through that, and not just a bunch of white guys in a room talking? Yeah, I don't think we should say anything. Oh, yeah, uh, no, for <laughs> sure. We've we've got a, a slate of uh, guests that we're going to have come on. And I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, I I can't wait to see where that goes. Uh, but today we are going to continue talking about worship, and so I thought it'd be fun to uh, just, since we're all kind of, again, a part of worship ministry, to have a conversation on some of our favorite songs that we use for personal worship. We've talked a lot about corporate worship over the last couple of weeks, uh, but I want to get into, just get us started on talking about the songs that we use for personal worship. Tim. If you don't have something from Fanny Crosby and Larry Norman, uh, I'm going to be very unhappy. I mean, Rich Mullins. Um, what do you got? What, uh, are, what are the songs that you go to? Where do you go? I mean, I don't have any go-to songs, but I'll listen to some of my favorite songs for sure. The ones that, that you know, kind of, I don't know. All right. So if there is a go-to um, album for me that has been a go-to album for me for 15 years, it is Lincoln Brewster's All To You Live. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, it, they're all older, you know, worship songs and they're very, you know, they sound really older, but it's just one of those things that I, I can, uh, you, you know, the albums that you listen to enough that you know, the next note and when the mm-hmm. last song ends, like that's, that's, that's an album that I've, uh, gone through a lot. Um, when it comes to hymns, my absolute favorite hymn is always going to be it as well. Um, I love the, everything about it. I love the story that comes behind it. Um, the song that I've loved for the last several years that, you know, is when it comes on, like, you know, I, I, anyway, I, Shane and Shane's Psalm 46, the Lord of Hosts uh, mm. song, Lord of Hosts, you're with us, with us in the fire, with us in the shelter, with us in the storm, you will lead us. Uh, that's a song that speaks to me, at least now. So, Brianna, what do you got? I oh, bet mine, you, mine Tim, changed. how many of these do you think you will ever have heard of? None. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I mean, mine changed when I looked at the questions. Exactly. Was, I mean, mine changed so exactly. frequently. Right. Because <laughs> you get you get tired of a song after three weeks. Yeah, so. I do. That's just that. <laughs> I've heard it twice. Stop do dumping on th- my personal worship, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I don't make fun of you with your. Oh, that's gonna come back later. Lincoln Not Brewster. Not to our face, at least. Oh, she makes fun I, of us I to our face. I make fun of you to your face, okay. yeah, as yeah, well sure. as behind your back. Yeah. <laughs> in text, in email, on social. Yeah. Brewster. Yeah, that's what I t- I've told Jeff. The Lord says, "Sing a new song, not a tired old song from 1994." <laughs> <laughs> like See, wasn't her, around then. Her so. tired old song. She's talking about. She gets annoyed by stuff that's from 2015. Right. Yeah. Some of it is just overplayed. Like that's just okay. We're talking about personal worship. Personal so, worship. Personal worship. Yeah. Um, so what I'm really into right now, there's Maverick City Music did a project with Upper Room, mm-hmm. and they have a few songs. Um, one of them is Remember. The other one is, um, I don't even know. I was just listening to it this morning. But I, I listen to them in the morning mm. um, while, I'm on, while I'm on the treadmill, <laughs> and that's like my worship and prayer time. So all the stuff by Upper Room and Maverick City music, super long. Sure. Um, I love it, though. And it's a lot a lot of a spontaneous worship, too. Yeah. yeah. That, I they, totally, that they planned. 
Huh? I totally respect that. I'm just trying to, and, and I'm, I, I, that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, I'm trying to get the visual <laughs> of you on the treadmill. Now, is the music in your ears only, headphones? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, on my phone. and. Are you yeah. singing along to it no. as you go? Mm-mm. I just, I have this visual of you just going at it on a treadmill <laughs> and you're just singing it out. But spontaneous no. worship right. in the thing. My question is, do you use a, like a step stool or a ladder to get on the treadmill? You're an idiot. So is, is that your list? That's, uh, yeah, that's what I'm, well, that's what I'm listening to right now. Sure. Like, so like, like literally right something now. something different. Yeah. All right. So here's my list. Um, this will surprise no one. So I thought, you know, if Phil Wickham, Phil Wickham, David, uh, Crowder. David Crowder, and on the episode we did, I guess two episodes ago, where we talked about our favorite like worship albums and or worship leaders, you know, I hit five, and I really said they are more, much more on a corporate side of things. For me, they also produce a lot of stuff that has really benefited me um, personally. That I mean, probably m- my song. Is uh, "Oh Praise Him" by David Crowder? Oh, Get out of here, man! That song is so good. I'm gonna I even... take a nap. Let me know when this is. Oh over. la 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 la! <laughs> you know, and our senior pastor, our, our pastor of seniors, Glenn, uh, almost ruined me for that song because he just made fun I of the. I think I convinced you to just start doing them again. Mm. Yeah, you did. You're like the Lord wants to hear these. I said it's poetry. Oh, yeah. la, it's not great poetry. La, la, la. So then, okay, so that takes care of the David Crowder. Uh, so the, the other one, Phil Wickham, he's got a song called beautiful and it's all about God is being beautiful. It's heavy poetry. You're so, beautiful. You're beautiful. That one. No, it kind of, it, it has, it has all the, Ooh, so it's more I saw your face and it is so good. It, and, and it, it culminates at the end of the song with everybody just singing about, when we arrive at eternity shore and and we are standing before you, we're going to declare you're beautiful. I mean, it, it swells to this, and it, it gets me every time. I really like songs about heaven and where we're going. Uh, this will be totally out of left field. This is the Larry Norman of the group. Bruce Springsteen's version of When the Saints Go Marching In, if you can listen to that and not cry, you have no soul. Uh, it is such a beautiful um, just kind of a haunting thing. And it more of, I mean, every time we've heard when the saints go marching in, it's all upbeat and everybody's, you know, just really excited. Uh, this is much more reflective and just talking about, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. So good. Um, I, I will throw in there, even though I already used them, but Crowder's uh, because he lives gets me every time. Um, and then two Are there others. Are any songs you don't cry during while you listen to them? <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about personal worship. Wor- What's the don't purpose of cry? listening to We're talking pro- about personal worship, what, guys. You were talking about personal worship. <laughs> if it doesn't evoke emotion from you, like, it's oh, praise so him. Oh, praise him doesn't make so me cry. so much emotion. All right. So then not, is emotion on. the requirement for, no, anyway. For me, ahead. I mean, to me, I want to have my heart stirred We're just saying moment. cry less is sure. what we're saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, so talk about Gunger. Gunger has a tune called You Have Me. And it sounds like song. it sounds like the beginning of Rainbow Connection with the banjo. And it's like this song shouldn't work. Yeah. It really does. It's but by the song. end, and it has French horns at the end. You know, he's just saying, you have me, you have my heart completely. It's just so good. And uh, But the song that I probably would go, uh, this one has meant the most to me in the last 10 plus years is we do it now and and. It's a North Point tune. Uh, we do You Lead It Now. It was Lauren Daigle did it. Um, but the original You Alone by Seth Condry. I came across this tune. Song. I came across this tune 
November 6th of 2012, because that was the night I was painting the house during the Obama election. He got reelected, and I thought my world had just crumbled. <laughs> and that song came on, and it ministered to me in such a way that I was I was broken, and it kind of made me go, this had been an idol, and here is where God has taken you. And from then, like I was broken that night and went, oh, politics is an idol, and I need to do it. But you alone, um, it was such a sacrifice to me. To give you that song See, to lead, I've, yeah, and I've one, heard you lead that. Who is? Who'd you say, Lauren Daigle? Daigle, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Get out of here. Get out of here, too. He's know. just being stupid. <laughs> um, uh, but today we want to kind of continue on in our discussion of worship, moving from corporate to pers- uh, to personal. Worship is, as we've discussed, foundational to our spiritual health, and at the core of that is personal worship. We've really talked about how if you just come to a corporate worship experience with your church. Uh, that will be insufficient for you. There needs to be worship that is taking place outside of that context, um, and, and we've got to get this right. We need to invest in our own spiritual health. And so to throw it out, let's talk about what's the difference between corporate and worship. What's the draw? I'm sorry, corporate and personal worship. What are the drawbacks? What are the benefits to both? Um, particularly thinking about personal worship. What is? How is that different, and, and how does that look in your life? I yield the floor. Brianna. How is personal worship different? She didn't listen to the question at all, and it's written on <laughs> it the piece so of paper. It was so long. <laughs> um, how is personal worship different than corporate? Um, it's personal. <laughs> um, that's a, I mean, when I when we're talking about personal worship, I'm thinking of the time that I'm spending just with me and the Lord, yeah. not here with our church family. Yeah. At the you know on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights. Yeah. So. Yes, that would be the definition of personal worship. Yeah. So well, thank Fred you. and I had a big argument about this when he listened to the podcast from last week, and he was okay, like, great. well, it's not just corporate worship. Well, he just likes to pick fights for, sure. no, for sure. no Yeah, reason. that's what we've heard about Fred, is that he's really an angry, aggressive so person. Ridiculous. Um, so I said, no, we're talking about what we're addressing is corporate worship, the worship that happens when we're at church or, you know, now yeah. virtually, like with everyone at one time, you know, and he was like, but there's still a personal aspect because each person might feel differently about blah, 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 blah. Sure. Like, yeah, no, yeah, that's fair. Fine. Yeah. Okay, fine. But what we're addressing in the general sense sure. is corporate worship. Yeah. So personal worship would be like my time to prepare for corporate worship that right. I put in mm-hmm. on Sunday morning before right. I even get to church, right? Or every morning so that I can be a decent human being when I face my family when they wake up. Yeah. <laughs> on the treadmill. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that's, you know... So really what we're talking about is is not so much the corporate everybody getting together and singing the songs that somebody else has picked out for right, us right. and that, that we're hearing somebody else pray. This is me, on me my doing own. it. Yeah. yeah, spending time with the Lord. I'm um, my own worship leader. Right. You know, like I'm the one picking, you know, what it's it's the the question again of if Jesus were right here with me on the treadmill, what would I be <laughs> singing to him? You know, what what would I want to say and what does that that relationship look like? It's going to be different than what happens in a corporate right, setting. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the what are the benefits to personal worship? Like what what do you experience? Um why is that important? How is that is it better than corporate worship? I think it's different. I think, you know, when I think of the difference between personal and corporate, I am kind of brought back, and I'm looking at it now, uh, right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. He talks about basically people having a prayer closet, right? Go mm-hmm. to a private room when you're going to pray, do, or, you know, just it's going to be you and the Lord. Forget about everybody else. It's just you 
and the Lord. And I think there, well, we know, we've talked about it, there is, there's a great power in unity in the Spirit where two or more are gathered, the Spirit is there, and there's, there's an awesome power in corporate worship. But I think God definitely reserves... That definitely reserves some special blessing of time uh, for that one-on-one moment. And, you know, I don't, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people take that literally and actually have an actual closet in their room. They actually mm-hmm. close the door, and, and that's fine. That's a do it. Um, but I, the, the the point is, and like when you're on the treadmill and you're you're singing God, it and you're doing it. the focal point of this whole Yeah, yeah you on the treadmill. Um, but that's, <laughs> you know, where you're like you, you I, I would imagine you say, listen, Fred, like this is my time. Like if something happens with the kids, the kids are yours, right? And then I'll be a mom in another hour or whatever. <laughs> it's a joke. That's but, pretty but much no, like it's their whole lives. It's important. It's really important for all of us to have some sort of a retreat. Yeah. If Jesus Christ himself and all of the power of heaven in his body needed the time to get alone to pray <laughs> and have some personal time with the father then i'm going to guess we are weak enough and not strong enough that we need to have it as well where well, we need yeah. to tell everybody else listen you go to the other side of the sea this is me time right now me and the lord time yeah, yeah. and i mean what we have what i my personal relationship with the lord is what i'm investing in right like you would invest in any relationship sure. any real relationship so i mean for me it's at the beginning of the day um and i'm spending time with the lord before anybody else wakes up um, so you get to him first. Right. Yeah. No, look, Early I'm on the treadmill the because I can't face my family with 100% of my energy. I need <laughs> right. to be a little bit worn out. Okay. This is pandemic times. Right. I'm working from home. So you don't want me at full Brianna energy. I right. promise you right now. Oh, we know. I mean, if things are not going well, I'm extra productive. Ooh, I won't yeah. even tell you how you many need, Honestly, I I've told you this before. You need to come over our house and just 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 clean. thinking Any, about your house is giving me anxiety. Right. Anytime, <laughs> anytime you want to clean, you just come on over, girl. I just come like... And throw throw everything out. Thank it's you. like you're ruining our memories. Thank you're getting you. rid of all of our memories. Yes. Well, That's once me. martial law happens, and then you got to yes. you need oxygen. You can go to his right. little bunker. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, everything I'm, out. Hey, get everything if we're the only ones with electricity, you're working for that electricity, girl. <laughs> yeah, she That's can. Fine. She can get there. That's fine. Um, no, I. That is the time that I'm spending in, investing in yeah. my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, at the beginning of the day, I'm saying, okay, this amount of time I've set aside to. Even if I'm not like in a good place mentally or spiritually, I'm just I'm just gonna tell spend a few minutes and tell the Lord He is awesome and um, with my actions show Him that He deserves my attention and my focus. I'm gonna get my head right to face what is coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> in this day. Sure. Well, and and so <laughs> corporate worship, we love it. It's great. You get to be a part of something big, something that you can't get on your own in in this community. But I love personal worship because you can go deeper it's more tailored to you it's more your expression you're not dependent upon other people to tell you this is what we're going to say to jesus today um and you know if you've got an issue with a song and that's that's kind of the the struggle is that you know as we lead worship corporately if somebody walks in is like dude i'm just not a fan of this song then all of a sudden it becomes this drudge if i gotta make it through and i don't want to listen to this you know and and it becomes a hurdle so that's kind of my next question yeah (laughs) What well, are Tim? <laughs> what are the personal hurdles, uh, or what are the hurdles to personal worship? Making time. Ooh, yeah. Why is that hard? I'm not saying for you, but I mean just in general. I mean, because we, we because we don't prior people we I don't prioritize my relationship with the Lord where it should be, and so I treat my life like a buffet instead of a 
top-down list of priorities. You know, I'll take okay. a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, as opposed to having, you know, an actual cue of I need to take care of this first and then move on to the rest. Well, what's interesting about that, and, and I felt this a, a lot and, and share this with the groups that I lead, um, you notice that when life happens, usually the first thing to go is your relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. like the, the and, and commitment to church. Because you start saying, well... I can't let my boss down. I can't let my family down. I can't let my friend, you know, I have to make time for all of these things in my life, all these compartments that I have. You got to fill every single one of them or things are going to get dropped. Jesus will always be there for me. Jesus will always forgive me. And he will understand if I don't have time for him or if I don't, you know, and as a result, that ends up being the thing that normally gets cut short because we are not um, arranging our time the way, according to our priorities and what we say they are. Sure. Yeah. What other hurdles? Um, I'm probably, I'm probably one of the busier people in this room, to be totally honest with you. And I don't, (laughs) I'm just being a jerk. Um, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't, I don't, I personally, that hasn't been my biggest struggle, finding time to make that happen. My biggest struggle has been, I'm going through something and I don't want to enter into this time this way. So I'm going to give God the cold shoulder. Yeah. Which is so stupid. No, I mean, I appreciate and immature. it. Yeah, it no, is. That's, it's um, very childish. Very it is. Immature. No, it is. I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm just telling you. That's petulant. Um, Let me elevate you ungrateful. for a second, though, because you're literally just saying that you do you it. can find the time for personal worship. Correct? Yeah. Okay. I every every day. All right. Every so day. every day. So let me let me just elevate and honor you for a second, and let your example hopefully be for somebody else. It might be an encouragement. You are. Uh, is she a lawyer? Yes. Well, <laughs> no. You, you're you're full time. You you work a full time job. Is a lawyer. A partner. Okay. Yeah, you work a full-time job, you're married, you have three children, one of them is special needs, and they're all at the house, all together, all at the same time, and you are saying that you can still make it work. I do. I yeah. have to. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. And, I, and I'm saying that I, I, I'm hoping you can be encouragement to maybe somebody who's going, no, I don't have time. Yeah. Like, look at Brianna. Look at Yeah. <laughs> if she can do it. Yeah. But you, you it. also <laughs> do a lot of Adderall. So it's like, you know. I am, extra, as I said, I'm extremely productive. The only bread my kids have eaten in the last six months is bread that I've made with my own hands. Uh, That's okay. All right. Not a bread maker, like actual. No, no. Yeah. No, this is my sourdough bread. Yeah. So poor Fred. I mean, and it's it really stinks for him because he's an Enneagram seven. So he's like, what is the project? I will jump on board with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do. I commit time every single day. On Sunday, I, I mean, I have an hour of personal time before I get to church. Mm-hmm. On Sundays, because sure. I I just need to for myself. I need to get into that headspace. Yeah. Could you make it fifty minutes and then use those ten to get to practice earlier? No, I could not. <laughs> I mean, we now don't have Brianna lead any no. song that's See, the first song out right. because we know she's going to show twenty minutes With late. Wet hair, hair yeah, that's no, so wet. I mean, like, <laughs> so let me call out you and all of the, the all of the the tardy people in the world though, because what you're saying is still logically doesn't make sense, right? Because, all right, I need an hour, right? And that makes me late. So make it just 50 minutes and then I won't be late. And I'm saying just get up 15, 10 minutes or start it earlier. Move it all up earlier and then, yeah. So it, it's it, like when when someone calls me and says, you know, I'm I'm going to be late because there was there was an accident or something like that. I'm like, that, you're not late because there was an accident. You were late because you, did, you left it too late and that's why you're getting here. But you don't know that things are going to happen. Correct. That's why you plan to get there 10 minutes early. No, and but how then many when times, things happen? No, how many times do things not happen and then you would just show up early and then that's a huge waste of time? Okay. 
Yeah, no, so we're, we're talking about hurdles in worship, and absolutely, I mean, it really comes down to time, uh, you know, and the discipline, because I think... It is a discipline. It is a discipline, because you, you know, like, when you're growing up in church, and, and your parents just take you and drop you off into class, like, you are, they're sort of responsible, and you, the teachers and the leaders, if you go up into the youth group, it's the same kind of thing. My parents bring me, I go to this time, I have a structured time with Jesus, and then I get picked up and go home. The biggest shock is when you get out of that system yep. and working with the college students and all of a sudden you are 100% responsible for your own faith and nobody's making you come. No one's making you show up and participate in the worship and Bible study and whatever you need to get. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm not fully equipped to deal with all of this and make sure all this works. Okay. But I had a different upbringing than that. And okay. that might be, <laughs> that might be why I feel different. Yeah, I mean, course. look, when we if we got out of children's church and my and my dad said, what did you guys learn today? And we showed him a bunch of pictures and stuff that we drew. He was like, well, that'll be the last children's church class for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> You're Theology sitting in the sermon. 101. You're sitting sure. in the sermon with us. I mean, I can't tell, tell you how many times if we got punished, it was um, children. What does the Apostle Paul say about complaining? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I skinned my knee once. I think I was Lena's age. I was six. And he told me to think of the cross. <laughs> Think of the cross. Think about how our Lord suffered on the cross. I feel like we've just gotten a window into I, who you are as a person. I can say all these things because I know he does untrue. not listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, he. Uh, not I, untrue. <laughs> it's not untrue. No. So uh, here's the other thing that I would say I think could be a hurdle. Um, is it we have people who get into the right mindset and say, okay, I want to commit. I want to have a personal time of worship, and they get up early and they go, what do I do? And what the church has not done very well is equipped them to take their faith and make it their own. We've sort of said, hey, at church, we will do that for you, but we've not said, here's what you need to do next, next, next. And so I want to throw out there uh, just kind of our last question together. What are some tools, what are some techniques, different things that you employ or that you would recommend to other people to kind of help foster their own personal worship? What are tools that they could say? Otherwise, it's just sort of like, I'm going to open up my Bible app and read one of the little um, devotions that they have pre-planned for me. How do you, what are some things that you would say that this could help improve your personal worship? <laughs> so uh, God bless all of us who struggle with this and, and making time and, you know, sticking to our commitments. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a m people that, uh, let's see, they've already given up on their January 1 you know, resolution to read the Bible every day and to eat carrots and all that kind of stuff. Um, but quite honestly, not knowing what to like, it's pray and read your Bible. It's pretty pretty much like if if you can default to that, you're doing well. Pastorally, you're doing well. And then if you ask, well, what do I read? Uh, Google <clears throat> devotions. I mean, the plethora of content out in 2021 is. I mean, even if you even if you stumble on somebody who's like a little off theology, like you're doing something at least. Mm -hmm. Like Christ is being preached, like so, go for it and do it. Um, yeah, I, it just I I think for someone to say I I don't know what to read or I don't know where to start is um, is lovingly is is an excuse because there's so many opportunities out there and so many different suggestions. Uh, some things that I do, uh, I I think, and I, I tell the church this quite often, that the physical connects you to the spiritual. I think our physical posture is important. 
Um, and I, I'm often on my knees. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I would, you know, possibly raise my hands, close my eyes. The same thing I would do in corporate worship. I think physical connects you to the spiritual. Uh, when it comes to prayer, I, I find that writing things out, train of mm. consciousness, uh, train, is that right? Train of consciousness? Stream. Stream of consciousness is, uh, is important and it's helpful. Uh, and I also do that in my prayer as well. I, I find when I'm interceding on behalf of people, I might mention Jeff, which makes me think of Brianna, which makes me think of Fred, which makes me think of, and just, and I, I find that that train stream of consciousness helps as well. So when you say, well, how do I pray? Like just start thinking of people and allow those people to let you start thinking of other people sure. and intercede on behalf. And if nothing else, uh, it'll teach you to pray for other people, <laughs> pray blessings into their lives for yeah. sure. For sure. Brianna, I know getting on a treadmill, being active. I mean, that is that is a legit expression to, to say, I'm going to have that time. Yeah. I mean, it, train yourself to godliness. That's I, first I mean, I'm, look, I'm a millennial mom. Okay. I don't, I'm never doing only one thing mm. ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, is it, do any of you guys only do one thing at a time? We're I mean, guys, we're men. So yeah. We're, oh, okay. yeah we are. Right. All the time. <laughs> yes. Can any of you chew gum and walk at the same time? Yeah. No. Um, you can okay. poop and play video games at the same time on your phone. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty disciplined about it. I uh, that will shock no one who's hearing this. <laughs> That's right. Are you? Because you're a lawyer, right? You haven't mentioned it. Oh, I'm pretty disciplined about. It. But I've also gone through different phases, and I would say you have to find what works for you, and what works for you is not going to work for everybody. So, um, like, if you're not a person who reads and you commit to doing a devotional, it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, you don't like reading, so it's not going to be a way that you connect with the Lord, right? Sure. Like, um, if you love music, then I think you should connect with the Lord through music, whether it's classical or modern or whatever. Like, that's your personal worship time, so make it something that allows you to connect with the Lord yeah. Yeah. and fosters your relationship with Him. Um, for me, is getting out some physical energy and just focusing on Him through music. That's how I, sure. that's how I do it. Um, and then I spend some time in prayer. Uh, I also read the Bible. <laughs> uh, to your yeah, point, sure. if you're not a reader, like the, there's like, well, don't do the, that. The, you know, the Bible can be read to you. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Know? Yeah, right. totally. Right. I, I don't. I but don't. I I see people like um, starting things that they know they're not going to finish because they sure. don't like it, but they think it's the right way to do it. You sure. know, so it's it's just not going to work. I think find, you can, right. Find a find your favorite pastor. Not me. Is it somebody with much more in, in uh, intelligence and watch watch the listen to their yeah. podcast. There's a lot of those. Watch their messages. There's so much content. Right. There's no if if anything you can be. Uh, frozen by the amount of choices, but at the end of the day, close your eyes, pick one. And yeah, go. yeah. But well, I think there's a difference too between spending time learning about the Lord and spending time uh-huh. reflecting on how yep. awesome He is and giving Him praise and glory and honor. If you can do that, walk taking a walk. Yeah, um, do that. Sure, get out know? of nature. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. If you can, and you know, but whatever medium you choose, if you mm-hmm. do it um, by expressing another form of art, like real art. <laughs> You know, you could do that or writing or whatever. Right. I mean, but I've gone through different phases. I mean, up until the time the twins were born, I wrote out my prayers. And then the twins were born. It was like, forget right. about that. <laughs> I can't I can't sit down and write anything and not do anything else for 30 minutes. Um, so, but I, I think give yourself some grace. The way that you enter into worship personally is not going to be the same way that everybody else does. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. It has to work for you. It has to foster your relationship uh, with the Lord, as long as you're connecting with Him, um, then yeah, do it. I think it's similar to what we've talked about in corporate worship, that there needs to be revelation from the Lord, and there needs to be response 
on our part. And so to Tim's point, yeah, there's, there's lots of content out there. You can find stuff anywhere uh, that, that will um, encourage you and cause you to think on God and do that. But then as Brianna's pointing out, you should then also respond to that in an authentic way that is honest as to where you are right. and what you're going through. Um, I just want to kind of throw this out there as we've done in the past. Um, we appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast. This podcast is not a replacement for your engagement in your own local church. Like we're not your pastors. Um, I mean, unless we are your pastors, but like, you know, like this is, this is not a replacement for the corporate. And I think so often there are people who say, you know, and like we said, and this is going to so cliche, whatever people like, but I, I, I worship Jesus on a boat on Sunday morning. That's fine. You can do that from time to time. Um, that's not all that God has called us to. And I think too often people use personal expressions of worship like that to say, this is a replacement for the corporate as well. Yeah, it's yeah. not, um, it, you know, th- they can, you can have those moments, but I, I you know, for me, um, my, my bent is music. Um, there's lots of worship music out there. I mean, there's so much, I mean, you actually have to be discerning because there's a lot of stuff out there. That's not great. Uh, Brianna's given you a number of examples <laughs> of songs that you shouldn't <laughs> listen to. Um, one of the things to me, it's, it's an interesting practice practice picked it up a, years back is, um, this idea of Lectio Divina, slowly reading scripture, kind of meditating on it with the goal of, of, you know, I know with a lot of Bible reading plans, we go, I need to get through the whole Bible mm-hmm. in one year or else I don't love Jesus. Um, and it may be that Jesus is saying, I want you to make it through one book of the Bible in one year mm-hmm. um, and, and, and figure that out and kind of slowly reading through it and slowly going through and saying, what is, what is the scripture saying to me personally? How is Jesus speaking through this word? Um, that, that has been a, a very interesting practice. Uh, you mentioned the, the dwell app, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to pay for it, but I love it. And you can, when you mentioned kind of meditating on scripture, you can build in time, you know, with the, you've got the, the music underneath the reader on top and you can build in a yeah. meditation period. You can just program it in there that I want like read this yeah. verse to me and then give me a minute yeah. and then read another verse. Give me a minute. It's really cool. Yeah. What? I think that's good. I, I cannot turn my brain off enough to do that, but I, sure. I respect people who can, sure. and I think that's a really awesome way to connect with the Lord. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things in Scripture is that there are a number of Psalms that, like, every three verses or so, you'll see this phrase that just says, Selah, right? And what happens is when you read it in church, we read through verse 1, 2, 3, Selah, 4, 5, 6, Selah, and Selah is just... Selah. Selah. Yeah. <laughs> But the idea of Selah is to say, I'm going to stop in this moment and just reflect on what we just read. Um, and so that, you know, it's, it's kind of that whole idea of, of allowing Scripture. The, the end goal isn't just intake, and, and it, it, it's processing and making sure that all of that is settling inside you and Jesus is doing something. Speaking of that, and I'll just bring this full circle one more time. So mm-hmm. Psalm 46, uh, be still, right? And is that 46? Yeah. 46, be still, know that I am God. Um, when the, the So some translations, because of the Hebrew there in that Psalm, don't translate it as being be still and know that I am God. Translate it as stop your warring hmm. and know that I am God. Yeah. In other words, shut up, sit back, and just focus on me. <laughs> So guys, we want to encourage you to do that, to be still, to know he's God, to carve out personal time and moments that you can have that will just impact, that will strengthen your faith, uh, that will grow you in your relationship with the Lord. And then when you bring that into the corporate worship experience, 
watch what happens. Uh, that is such a way to uh, such a great way to just make something profound happen in these moments of corporate worship. Guys, we need to get moving. Uh, let's head into confession. Does anybody got anything? I will confess as a pastor that I'm not as good at personal worship and carving out the time as Brianna. Uh, and I mean, in other words, so here's here's a pastor who has a pulpit ministry, and if you're listening and you're like, listen, I you know I'm 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 not good at this. I'm saying you know this is a struggle for all people. Um, I, I struggle. I've confessed this before. You know, my job is to be in the scripture, and too often I make it only for uh, you know a goal. Right? I have a, a goal to write a message. And then I forget to allow scripture to actually hmm. soak into my life. Um, and so I just, I'm reading it for the end as opposed to the means. So anyway, um, yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm not as good as Brianna. Yeah. Well, because you don't have a treadmill. <laughs> and you're you, not a lawyer. You you're a, a lawyer, treadmill? right? It's, it's in the garage that needs to be thrown out. So I, I need Brianna to come in. I and... broke one treadmill during the pandemic. <laughs> Burned up. <laughs> Peloton. Did you go, did you go Peloton now? No. Uh. No. I'm also cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna, um, this is yeah, your last chance to get really nasty. You've not really done great confessions of late. Yes, it's I just, have. it's Did just sort of like I don't practice. I, I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me in corporate worship. Do you have anything gross? Wow, I'm uh, just kidding. Well, okay, I mentioned a minute ago. I sometimes I don't want to enter into personal worship because sure. I'm mad at God, okay. and that, because if I'm going through something, I'm just like, whatever. I don't want to spend this thirty minutes with you. Because I'm mad at you. Yeah. I mean, it's immature. And it's, and you know what? It's also humbling. Because until something like really horrible happens to you, you can say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, the things that you yeah. really, no one should ever say. Never. Like, God never gives you anything that you can't handle. Which right. Is yeah. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, God's just shoveling crap onto people. Anyway. Right. Um <laughs> <laughs> what a great picture day of God. Job. Yeah. But um, it's easy to say um, until something real happens to you, like, oh, you know, you have to love the Lord no matter what. Um, well, that's because nothing terrible has ever happened to you. So it's easy to mm. do that. Like, so entering into personal worship is really tough for me. Like if, you know, if you're going through something, because I don't want to enter into an honest expression of how much I love the Lord, because that's not how I feel right now, sure. you know? So it's more, and I and I I know that the Lord is there. He's still like, okay, well, I'm here, like, whenever you're ready to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're there. I just don't want to talk right now. <laughs> yeah. Are you there, Brianna? It's me, God. No, I don't. I'm not ready. And that's why I tell Jeff I'm not coming to church for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it. So um, just, you know, faith family, just understand that if you don't see Brianna there from time to time, it, she's spiritually <laughs> weak. <laughs> I, I am. I am. I, I To get through the day and not be a jerk to my family, I need 30 minutes of time with the Lord to get yeah. myself right. Sure. I need that. I Somebody asked... Um, Somebody asked me to join like a Bible reading club, and he was like, you should do it, because how often do you read your Bible? Every single day. Yeah. I do. That's how much of a depraved human I am. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Jeff. Okay. So my confession, this I, I mentioned this last week. I knew that I was going to hit this at some point on the podcast, because this is something that I have done repeatedly. Um, I've even done it today on the podcast. Um So we have had conversation in our church community where I've actually ruined some songs in our faith family uh, because of of my lack of appreciation or love for them. And so I'll give you an example. You're a good, good, good good father. father. Good, good father. You did ruin that. Who you are. And in such a judgy kind 
condescending well, way. It's my confession. Let me do it. Go ahead. Sorry. So, like, in our love by you, it became sort of a joke. Of course, you guys helped me in that joke because you would bring it up as well that Jeff will never do good good father because he hates good good father. Da, da, da. And so the, part of this. there was actually yeah, one. There was one sermon where good good father actually would have made a little bit of sense to put it in and i went you know what kind of to 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 walk that back i was like i'll i'll put that in and we got to worship and you were like because you don't look at the set list before you get there and you were like wait a second is this a joke and i'm like no it's it's legit we're we're putting a good good father and you said we can't do good, good father. You have ruined it for the church, for this community, because people know how much you don't like this song. And like that really hit me. And so somehow it it came out and, and, a, and a dear brother that I love came up to me at the end of worship and said, why don't you like good, good father? And to this day, like the Lord changed my heart in that moment. And I'm very grateful for the wisdom that he gave me at this time. And I just said, do you like that song? And he went, yeah, I love it. And I said, then I'm not going to tell you what I don't like about it. I don't want to take that away from you. Like, if that's a song that God has given to you and that you're communicating with him, then do that. Like, I'm sorry that I put that in your head that there is, you know, that I'm critical of I'm not talking to you. (laughs) And and so, but, but but I did say to him, if you get to the point where you go, this song has run its course with me, I'm no longer... Then come back and, I'll, and we'll have that conversation. But to me, where I, I know that what I have, I have done is that sometimes, and I think everybody does this, but we look at the worship of other people and we go, this doesn't minister to me, so therefore it doesn't minister to anybody. And I go, that's not really your place to do that. That's not your place to really take a dump on somebody else's expression of worship because then it's like... This is something that people are using to connect with the Lord. And for me to go, that's not her. I've been on the receiving end of that a lot, particularly in early moments of ministry when we were like really in the throes of worship wars and and modern were, you know, taking a turn. And I had a lot of people coming up and saying, or not, they weren't saying it to me. They were saying it about me behind my back and to other people that what, what you're doing is not real worship. And I'm like, I don't. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be because those people are horrible. Uh, great Christian people time. This one was very easy for me. Uh, I've already referenced him multiple times. Uh, David Crowder. Um, he was so instrumental in helping me understand worship and 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 kind of giving me a voice and understanding that. He wrote a book uh, years ago called Praise Habit, and what he did is he took, I think it was the message, but he went through. It was like a, a, a devotional study guide. I mean, each chapter was like a good eight to 10 page. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Uh, and he just kind of went through a number of the Psalms and that's where he, I was presented with this idea of Lectio Divina of, of kind of just reflecting on the words of scripture, meditating on them and doing that. And, uh, and he has just been a, a real significant influence in my personal and, uh, corporate life, but, but definitely personal, like his music is what I often will turn to. Uh, and so I'm grateful for that. Anybody else got one? I mentioned earlier about having a prayer closet. There's um, a sister that um, <clears throat> that I've I've known well over the years, and I remember, uh, you know, at, over their house at one point in time, her her and her husband were you know uh, were you know just being hospitable and all that kind of stuff. And it was a new house that they had just built, and so they were given a tour, and we went into their bedroom, and then we went into their closet, and then behind their closet was something that they had designed in just for a personal prayer room closet. Mm. 
And I thought, man, that's that's you know when you're when you're building out your house, that's dedication to say, all right, I'm gonna kind of have this holy of holies, if you will, in my home, and this is going to be a space dedicated solely and only for worship. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. She shall be nameless. Yeah, Brianna, you got anybody? Um, yeah, I guess two people. Well, my I mentioned my dad, not, not in a great light during this podcast. Um, I like to tease. We all like to tease him uh, because he was so serious about it when we were growing up. Um, but he really taught us to invest in a personal relationship with the Lord. He's always been committed to spending time with the Lord one on one. So that's who I learned it from. And also, um, gosh, I love listening to Beth Moore talk about her personal relationship with Christ um, and how much time she invests into that on a one on one. Um, in a one-on-one way before she even talks to, you know, crowds of people. So those are the two I want to highlight. Well, I just want to say it's evident that you don't really listen to this podcast because I've already used Beth Moore as a great Christian person. But Um, I'm a lady doing it. Well. That's true. It probably (laughs) means more coming from you. (laughs) Not just late. I'm not just lady-like. Yeah, I would never have used that word. Uh, So anyway, Guys, we have uh, this is another long episode, but still not our longest one, and we may still cut some stuff out of this one. So that was that was good. Uh, Brianna, thank you so much for being a part of these last uh, few weeks, these last yes. few episodes. We will definitely have you back on um, once politics kind of clears up and and we no longer have Please. the mess. Uh, we will talk about. Um, we'll probably talk about women. Oh no, we want to get you on for a uh, an episode on pro lifeness. Because uh, I feel like you have a lot to say. I think we're just going to turn on the microphones and then walk away. It'll be the least amount of prep <laughs> we have ever Fred. have you to do. You should have Fred here for that one, too. We'll have Fred. I feel like the world needs to meet Fred. And he's <laughs> so perfect. You should have both of us come talk about that. We would be, it would be fun to listen to. Yeah. Anyway, Brianna, thank you so much no for being problem. a part of this series. Uh, we really look forward to it. Guys, if you are from South Africa, Saudi Arabia, or Council Bluffs, or what anywhere up? in between, we would love for you to follow us, uh, GCP Pod at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our email, goodchristianpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If we have stirred some stuff up, particularly with the first half of our conversation, write us. Let's, let's be in community together, even if we disagree on some things. Next week, we're going to wrap up our series on worship with another guest, someone very close to the hosts of this podcast. As we look at the history of worship and the great value of worship in the different generations. Until then, for the love of God, be good. to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on January 11th, 2020 by Jeff Higgins and Tim Beyer, two pastors living in beautiful Glen Burnie, Maryland. If you'd like to hear more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Twitter at, at GCPpod. In the distant year of 2021, worship music was simpler, less evolved. Music has grown, 
and we worshippers have adapted. Humans of the past, partake in the sounds of the future. On second thought, maybe the older stuff was better. This is the year 2025 signing off.